0: Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another season of the MS Gym Podcast. Jody and I had planned on taking the summer off, as we typically do, but opportunities kept presenting themselves that we simply couldn't turn down. We've been absolutely humbled and honored that potential guests have been coming to us instead of the other way around. That's right, word continues to spread about the MS gym, continues to spread about Coach Trevor, his 100% commitment to and extensive knowledge of how the MS body responds to movement, and his well-informed grasp on how neuroplasticity can Restore functionality that's been previously perceived as impossible. With that kind of reputation, word gets around fast and far. And that's exactly what happened with this episode's guest. A friend of hers told her about the MS Gym. She took a look at some of Trevor's videos and was intrigued, so she decided to contact the MS Gym to see how she could work with Trevor, only to find out that we had been trying to contact her to be on the podcast. You see, this was no random guest that we were reaching out to. This was a Hollywood actress, famous for her role as Meadow Soprano on the long-running HBO series The Sopranos, who, after keeping her MS diagnosis under wraps for around 16 years, decided to go public. Little did she know, the MS world would be cheering her on, anxious to see how she could use her far-reaching platform to shine a light on MS. If you haven't figured it out by now, our guest on today's episode, as well as an upcoming episode, is Jamie Lynn Sigler, a 42-year-old mother of two young boys and wife to an incredibly supportive husband. Over the next two episodes, Jamie opens up on a wide range of topics, from how she handled being diagnosed at a young age, making the decision to go public, the gift of workplace accommodation raising young children, how she uses cannabis for relief, to, most importantly, her own experience with Trevor and the MS Gym. I know, I know. You're like, Brooke, come on, come on, come on. Can we please just get to it? I can't help it. I'm excited. All right, all right. Let's go. I'm so excited. We have with us today, Jamie Lynn Sigler. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. I mean, excited is is not a a strong enough word. Um, It's a pleasure to have you on. When Ken, our marketing guy, comes to me and he says, hey, would you like to interview Jamie Lynn Sigler? I'm like, "Um, yes, I would.
1: well I had I didn't know so a girlfriend of mine who also lives with MS had forwarded me some of Trevor's videos that he had posted and I didn't know about the MS gym and so immediately I'm watching them and like devouring them and like following and then I opened up messages to DM you guys to talk about like how I can be in touch and then I saw that you were trying to contact me or had written me and I'm I don't know if it's good or bad. Like I never read my DMs because I feel Um, like I'm going to unleash like Pandora's box of like terrible things that are going to make me feel bad. So I just never look, but then I saw that you guys were trying to conjure. Anyway, so here we are. I'm so happy um, to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little.
0: You were diagnosed with MS at age 20. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, 21 years ago. That's insane. Yes. Absolutely insane.
0: I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I know that there are plenty of people that are diagnosed that young, but I can't imagine. I, I think to myself, when I was just going over your stuff, I thought, I wonder if I would have taken MS seriously or not yes. when I was 20 or as seriously as I did at 42. Yeah. You know, yep. I, I think I wouldn't have recognized the weight of it
1: at that time. You're busy. I did it. I didn't, you know, so I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease actually first at 19. And I think, you know, we'll never know for sure, but perhaps it was what sort of woke up a dormant MS gene, or it's what sort of caused demyelinization that now is MS in me. But when I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease at 19, um, I recovered quickly. I did like a three week course of antibiotics and steroids and this, and while it was scary when it came on and it was felt like there was like partial paralysis in my lower body and I was suffering from incontinence and couldn't feel my legs, you know, after a couple of weeks in the hospital on this medication, I was okay. So when I got diagnosed with MS and being 20 years old and Sopranos was like peaking and my life was just starting. I think I treated it like the limes, where I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll get some medicine and I'll be fine." And for a number of years, it was kind of like that. I had to do like week. Sorry, I'm just getting right into it. Is this what we're going no, to do? Okay. It, it. Oh. <laughs> we. I started. I was on this medication originally called, I think it was like Avanex or something like that, and I would do every two or three days, like an injection. And it made me feel really crappy. I would feel like I had the flu every time. And so I wasn't consistent with it. When I traveled, I didn't bring them with me. And you know, I wasn't i wasn't a good patient. I didn't understand the seriousness of MS, but I also think I didn't want to. Right. Um, and I wasn't affected daily by it. So I was like kind of in denial. Right. And then when I was around 23, 24, I went through a divorce, and it was a very stressful time. And that's when things started to manifest, I started to have some issues with my gait, I started to have um, bladder incontinence again, some things that were, you know, very uncomfortable and scary. and I panicked. I did a lot of, you know, doses of corticosteroids um, and all during this time as well. It's a secret. I've told no. Right. Right. Um, and so that just added a whole other layer of suffering yeah. and, um, you know, it, it's people didn't talk about things being wrong back then. Do you know what I mean? We were still in this mentality, like everything's perfect, everything's fine. and. I grew up as such a perfectionist, I wanted to never be an issue for anyone. And so I just, I hid all my problems all the time. And um, so for quite a number of years, it was much harder than it needed to be, or than it already was. Um, And then I would say from the ages of like 24 to 31, I was just really suffering not only from the physical symptoms, but just like how to live with this, how to deal with it. Uh, if somebody told me that somebody in Costa Rica for $50,000 would give me a shot to take this away, I would book a flight and pay the money. Like I right. was doing everything I could to just get rid of this, yeah. um, not deal with it. Seeing different doctors, if this didn't work, I would find somebody else and I just, I wasn't consistent. Um, I wasn't taking good care of myself in hindsight, even though I thought I was. And I also at the time, like I have to give myself a break. I was 25 years old doing it on my own. Like I had, I didn't talk to my parents about it. I didn't talk to my friends about it. Um, and and life was happening. You know, life was happening. I was still working. I was still acting. I was, you know, I moved from New York to LA. I, I it was it was really hard. It was really, really, really hard. And it really was not until I met my husband around age 30, 31, and I got pregnant by accident. Um, And after I had my son that I kind of slowed down, I now had a partner that was in this with me that wasn't gonna let me off the hook, I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna, you know, he he kept me focused. He's like we need a plan. We need to help take care of you. You're not going to do this anymore. You're not going to your doctors alone anymore. You, you can't you know because you're living with a disease and then trying to like you know take in all this information and have all these plans. You need you need support and I didn't have any until him. And so then for the past 10 years, I've been pretty much stable. The MS has, you know, I've had no new lesions in 10 years. I've had no disease activity in 10 years. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not without struggles, right. but it, it's, it, it took me a while to, like you said, take the disease seriously, understand what I was dealing with. But also, you know, everybody's journey is different, but I can imagine that there's, I always say like the emotional journey with MS is far more difficult than the physical. Right. The unpredictability. You know, the unpredictability, mm-hmm. the acceptance that something is wrong. Um, you know, I wasn't a good patient clearly for a while. Um, just really, just like coming to terms with all of it and trying to figure out how to not just survive but thrive in the best way that I could with it. You know, took a a great amount of time, but I'm. I'm very encouraged with where I'm at, especially after just talking to Trevor, which I know we'll talk about, but I just, you know, there's, I have a lot of hope still for living with something for 21 years, where look, just last week I had a dark moment where I was really sad and really frustrated that I was robbed of a lot of my youth and my carefree time in my life. Um, I still feel young at 41, and I still have a lot of hope for my future. So. I think there's something to be said for people that live with MS. I find like they don't call us warriors for nothing. You know, it's, right. it's, um, it's, it puts, you get to see life through a different lens. And I always say like it might've hardened my body, but it's softened my heart
0: yes. and I'm
1: grateful for it in very many ways of, of the way it's allowed me to look at life.
0: Right. And, and others who struggle with chronic illness, you or know, anything. Yes, Right. Right. It, it does it puts a completely different emotional spin on everything you look at yeah one of the one of the questions which I think a lot of women or or, or men who have MS enter into a relationship yeah how do you approach that what yeah. did you say to your then boyfriend or yeah
1: yeah it's it's interesting I you know play like dating in my 20s and and sort of trying to figure out when you tell this person, especially because like I told you, it was a secret for me so it wasn't something I was out with. necessarily like when it felt like this was a person I was going to share this information with and obviously I was fortunate enough at the time that a lot of my symptoms were quote, like invisible, or you didn't see that I was struggling with something right. that I was able to keep it a secret. But obviously, when you're talking about like an intimate relationship, um, there's things that you can't hide sometimes. And so my husband and I, I think we and even I guess in the, pe- the other boyfriends I had prior to him, I would say if it felt like a couple of weeks in or a couple of months, like when it felt like this was going to be something serious or this is, you know, because it's such a big part of you, it felt like it felt wrong for me to not share. So if somebody felt like they were going to become my boyfriend, if it was going to become serious, I would share the information immediately. And it was always greeted with kindness and compassion. I was always scared to tell the other person Um, and I would always lead with like, it's okay, if, like I get it if this doesn't feel like something you wanna like take on or be with me, Um, which I would tell anybody else if my friends told me that, I'd be like, you're crazy, how dare you say that? Like that that doesn't take any value away from who you are, but I felt that way. Um, And I was always pleasantly surprised with people's reaction. I think like in a lot of my, journey with ms i've learned that people are really kind like there's definitely been a a lesson that that it's it's made me have a lot more faith in like people and how willing they are to help and how willing they are to see past these things and you know as far as like my husband now i think if anything he's just he's just sad that i have to deal with it but right. he doesn't make me feel like he has to deal with it if that makes sense you know yeah. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: At what point? Like, what was the tipping point? Because you, as you said, it it was a secret for so long. Yeah, yeah. You live a very public life, and you Mm. were living a very public life at the time. What was the tipping point where you said, "Okay, I just everybody needs to know. I just I need to let it out. The public's gonna know.
1: No more hiding." So between the, so I started doing like I was on a couple I did like a couple of TV pilots and then a TV show between the ages of like 29 and 31. And during that time, um, issues with my gait started to become more visible. So people would be like, are you limping? What's going on? You're walking funny. And I would make up excuses like I hurt my back or my ankle or this and that. And it was so uncomfortable. I hated lying. I always felt like I I was always looking over my shoulder. I could barely concentrate or enjoy the actual work I was doing because I was so focused on just trying to walk well and walk straight and keep this hidden that like acting became a stressful time thing for me to do. And uh, it was, it was scary and it was terrible. And so I did this, my last show up until I got pregnant with my first son. And then after I had him, I was like, oh great, I'm not gonna work. I'm just gonna take a break so I won't have to deal with this. And it, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for three years. And while I loved being with him, I really missed, acting and like a big part of me and who I am and my husband and I were also getting married at the time and I felt like you know for him and for me you know for my son what am I trying to teach him about the world that you know everybody's deserving of opportunity you know he was aware of some of my limitations but was I going to ask him now to lie to me when he went to preschool if somebody asked him a question like this is not the world that i'm trying to have my son grow up in and i want him to um i i just i I just felt like it had been enough time and that the excuses were running out and nothing was serving me it was stressing me out i i wanted i wanted to just come clean and see like what the world would have to offer after that, because there weren't really anyone out with MS. Like there weren't uh, people in the professional field that were talking about anything, you know, that they were possibly struggling with or dealing with. I mean, even now, like the the scope is so large between mental health, physical health, all of the things, and I'm so glad for it. But even in 2016, that like people weren't really talking about it much. So when we were getting married, People Magazine wanted to do a story on our wedding. And I remember I called my manager at the time who knew I had MS, and I said, I think I'm ready to talk about it. And I think this is the time. This is a celebratory, wonderful moment in my life. I don't want this to be a sad story. I want this to be in a moment where I'm like, look, here I am. I have this beautiful family. I'm getting married. I'm starting my life. And I have been living with MS for 16 years, and I am okay. And this is, this is, this is, it felt like the right time. And I had nothing but support from everyone around me. Um, and I was, I didn't realize though, like the day I knew that the story was coming out, I remember I woke up and I was so emotional and I didn't want to look at my phone. And I was so scared because it was my biggest secret. I was just something that my few friends had protected me for so long. It just felt so vulnerable and I didn't know what to expect. And truly my entire life changed for the better after that. Yeah. Yeah, I know.
0: I, I remember when it came out. I mean, I remember reading it and thinking, and you know, the whole MS world, you, maybe you don't know this, but the you know, the whole MS world was like, yes, Uh, you know exposure you know we're just real people living real lives living you living large I mean how much better does it get yeah Um, and
1: it can all be done while having MS that's right and I that's all I've ever really wanted when I talk about MS is for people to just know like I feel I'm going through what you're going through. Like I get it. Like I don't have a special case because I I have like some sort of celebrity status. Like it's my MS isn't easier. My MS isn't more special. It's, it's just as hard. It's just as real. But yes, I'm just I I, I try to toe this line, especially with like social media where. Like I don't want to talk about it all the time, but I'm not also gonna ignore it. I don't want people to think that I'm totally fine and living this life and never talking about it because that's unfair too. I realize the responsibility that I have, also being somebody with a public platform, like talking about this. I wanna I feel I do feel a great sense of responsibility when it comes when it comes to it.
0: Well, we really appreciate you coming on and and talking about it just like you're one of us. Which yeah. you are. MS does not discriminate. It doesn't care what you know, who you are, how much you make, how much you don't, what you know, what ethnicity. Like it doesn't care. uh -uh. It just absolutely does not care. Now, tell me this: when it comes to working, because I I know I I still remember this is. I think it was during the pandemic. Of course, I binged on Hallmark like. All winter long. You wanted
1: to feel good. Yes, yeah.
0: I'm tired of the news. I'm just, yeah. so, and I remember, I don't even remember what the episode was called, but you were in an episode and it was a winter scene. I want to say you were an aunt or you were, I don't remember, but you were like a confidant of someone and you're walking along outside, I think in the snow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you, and at this point, I knew that you had MS. Um, but it's interesting. I have MS eyes. So I see things, you know, when you have MS and you look at other people who have MS, you see things. Yep. And you were walking along and you were holding the person's arm. Yep. And I thought to myself, I wonder if she's if she's purposely, I mean, it looked completely natural and somebody who didn't have MS would never think twice about that. It was an awesome scene, you know, just cozy, comfy winter walking along, you know, and I thought, I wonder if she's doing that purposely.
1: Yes. Yes. And actually I shot that prior to people knowing I have MS. So that was when I was having to be crafty. And so in the scene, I remember suggesting to the director, you know, Let's, let's have us lock arms so that I could feel more comfortable in the scene. Now that I am out about MS, and I, I work on a show called Big Sky, and my character doesn't have MS, so they work everything around it, we do that all the time. Everybody's creative, everybody's in on different ways that they can help me, and I'm so grateful for it, which allows me to do allows me to enjoy my job and just worry yeah. about my performance as opposed to any of the physicality. So, but yes, you, you, like you said, you have MSIs, you saw it, and that it was exactly why I did it.
0: Yeah. Now, tell me, so you go to be, try out or audition or whatever for yeah. Big Sky, how, how do you, what do you say? I mean, obviously, they sure. probably all know that you have MS. Yeah. But like, what do you think? Like, how do you, do you say, okay, I can, here's the yeah. things I can
1: do. I can't yep. run. I can't yep. jump.
0: I can't get, you know.
1: I always have to have this conversation before every job, or I'll call okay. the director or the showrunner. And that's exactly what I did. I called him and I said, Listen, because this character that they cast me for, that they wanted me for in the very first episode, is running for her life in the woods. And when they first came to me, I was like, oh no, I can't do it. And my manager's like, Jamie, I'm not gonna let you say no to jobs because you physically don't think you can do it. Like have a conversation first. And then if you've, cause I always come from this place where I'm like, listen, I don't want anyone to compromise anything artistically that you want if I physically can't do it. Like I never, I never want to feel like a burden. Like that is the last thing I ever want. I never want to step on a set and feel uncomfortable or self-conscious. No one's ever made me feel that way, but it's like my biggest fear. So I always have a conversation and I call and I say, "Look, here's what I can and I can't do. I can walk a couple of steps here and there, um, you know, that I can mask the gait issue that I have. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I cannot run. I cannot jump. I can't do stairs like well. I can do them, but you're not gonna wanna use the footage if this character doesn't have MS. Um, I was like, fortunately for me, I don't have fatigue issues. I don't have cognitive issues. You never have to worry about any of that, but this is what I have. So what they did was I had a stunt double, a body double. She did a lot of the running and stuff, but the director of this particular episode really wanted to see my face with the guy chasing me and me screaming and crying. So they took a like a, a Raptor or a Polaris type, you know, those like off-road vehicles yeah. Yeah. and they put a rig in the back of it they put a seat and they strapped me completely with a harness to this seat with a camera strapped right in front of me. They had the guy running behind me and they drove and I just moved my body. Like I was running and screaming and crying and we filmed this whole scene. And so I just, I was, i was hysterical crying that day in the set of just so moved and appreciative, but also just like, wow, like, look what people are willing to do. Right. This is such an example of accessibility and inc- inclusivity. And I just, I was so grateful, but what I act what actually this job. So that's this job really, I'm, I love so much. I love the character I play, but it's really allowed me to realize like the MS is not such a burden and people are willing to work around it. And I'm very grateful. But with that said, what it's now given me the confidence of this, okay, the next role I play, I wanna show the MS. I'm not, I don't need to hide it because the role doesn't have to be about that. I'm so many things in my life. I am a mother, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I am a wife. I have so much going on in my life. I could play any character that just happens to have MS. So I'm really looking forward to the day where I can represent myself and so many other people on screen by just being me. And I think that the reason why I've wanted to hide it or thought I had to hide it is because we haven't really seen many examples of that. And I think that we see this sort of shift happening in general. Yes. especially in Hollywood because this is how we see the world. Right? Yeah. To TV and film. This like this is they're telling us how to see the world. And so Right. I, it is my goal that my next role for sure. I'm I'm not wanting to hide it. I'm not wanting them to work around it. Just let me be me and play this role to its fullest. But without this job, I wouldn't have been able, I think, to get there. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And that is an exciting prospect that I look forward to watching. Um, and, I mean, and, and it, it won't be just people with MS who are thinking. No living out loud despite the disease you know because that's what we're all doing we wish we all could be viewed that way and i love it when you say because i always say this too i just so happen to have ms yeah all these other things ms is you know you live with it especially you know you live with it so long it's a part it's a part of you it is you Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um
1: but that's I think that's a fantastic idea. Well, you know, I think it also was just a journey for me of where I, I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I find that there's other people that have dealt with this too, where like, I started to feel like so much shame around it and embarrassed about it at like, because of my limitations or the difference. And I, I hated feeling that way. And it really took me a long time to accept it and accept myself. And um, so I think this is just, that's just like more steps in that direction of like ridding myself of any guilt or shame or any just feelings that I don't deserve to be having that I was inhabiting, you know, because of, of, you know, I lived 21 years without any disability and then live the next 20 with like, disability entering into my life, it's, it's something that's really hard to wrap your head around. Right.
0: Now, I think in the, in the last year, last two years, you made a move to Texas from California, yeah. correct? Yeah. And you renovated a house. I remember, I, I don't know where I saw it online, whenever you, I think you were featured in Architectural Digest mm-hmm. or something. Um, I, I know it was gorgeous. <laughs> our, I remember a, a velvet couch that's all I yes can remember. yes yes and um I thought to myself and you can tell me now I wonder if during that renovation you made any design choices that cater to your life with MS they even, think any. nobody else would look at nobody else would even notice they would just You know, but you didn't
1: because it's easier for you to live with MS. I didn't make any design choices, but we bought our house, which is a one-story house because of that. Okay. We have like right now the room I'm in is upstairs because it's like away from my children, (laughs) Uh, but and we have we have to go downstairs to go down to like our yard. But the whole house itself is on one level so yes that like buying this house that we take the ms into consideration of me not having to do stairs to go up into my bedroom up and down every day things like that so you know of course there are decisions that are being made or we're conscious about like how can we make mom's life a little bit easier because i i try to do as much as i can without my kids having to think about that or my family um but that was one decision that we made that we realized was gonna be just a lot easier for me.
0: Right. All right, moving on to, you mentioned your family. I definitely wanna talk about your kids. You have two young boys. Mm -hmm. They are four and your older one- Will be nine on Sunday. Oh, adorable, adorable. Now, a lot of women who have MS during a pregnancy they they're relieved of their symptoms it's just it's a hormonal thing they don't know exactly what there are studies about it in europe like i think last year the year before did you experience that and then unfortunately afterwards a lot of women have a relapse right did you before you became pregnant did you know about all that we hope you enjoyed episode one of two with jamie lynn sigler Be sure to tune in for episode two, where Jamie shares her experience of raising young children with MS. She'll talk about how she vacations with young children, what type of diet she adheres to, and what type of cannabis she uses for spasticity. All this and much more on the next episode of the MS Gym Podcast. If you'd like to know more about the MS Gym, you can find them at themsgym.com, on Instagram, and on Facebook. If you'd like to know more about what I've been up to lately, you can find me on Instagram and at brookslick.com. We'll see you on the next episode.